three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 416. Welcome in. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, for me, I had Thanksgiving yesterday. Thanksgiving is a work day for me. There's three football games. I'll be watching them all day. It is very early in the morning on Thanksgiving morning before football does start. Recording now, putting it out, then watching football all day. Had my own little um, personal Thanksgiving yesterday. It was glorious. Had chicken wings, played a video game called Kenna. Bridge of Spirits, probably a little too much, but it was fantastic. And uh, you know, I live alone, not alone, but me and my fiance live isolated on an island. And so uh, not seeing any family for Thanksgiving or, or Christmas. And I'm also not going to lie, I'm not disappointed by that at all. I'm a big introvert. I'm very happy to like not have to go to a big party and not have to listen to other people talk about football. And I can do my own little introverted thing, and I'm, I'm very, very happy with that. But I want to say, you know, I think it's a tradition to say on Thanksgiving – what you're thankful for. Uh, let me just say, uh, what I'm thankful for is all of you guys. And I, I'm really grateful. I look around at my life and my studio and uh, my, my PS4 even. Like, I, you know, I, I have everything I have because of you guys listening to or watching Strong Opinion Sports. And so I just want to say thank you so very much. Uh, today on a day of gratitude, I'm, I'm grateful for you guys and grateful for my life and grateful for this show. And um, man, I just, I don't know. Again, I, I, went, to, I went, went to Walmart. I bought the... Buffalo Wild Wings, Asian Zing, like, you know, wing sauce. Had that with some wings. It was a wonderful little Thanksgiving. I'm going to have more, you know, I'm going to double down and do it again today during all the football games. And uh, it was awesome. Today's episode is going to be a very, very, I mean, I don't really know. I could talk my, you know, my ball, you know, I could talk my my socks off and talk for forever. Uh, I don't know. I, I would imagine today's episode will be a very, very, Short episode today. I almost said talk my balls off. Is that a thing? I don't think that's a thing. No offense to anybody. I just was, I almost said that. I'm like, wait, I, I was like halfway through saying that. I'm like, it's not a phrase anyone says. I don't know what I'm trying to do here. Uh, I want to start today's episode with a correction. Last episode, I said that Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins had 18 touchdowns and two interceptions so far this year. I actually forgot to add his three touchdowns from Sunday against Green Bay. So right now... Kirk Cousins has 21 touchdown passes and two, not one, but two interceptions so far this year. That's unbelievable, by the way. I think that's an underreported story. Now, he does have a, a bunch of dropped interceptions and some turnover turnover-worthy throws and plays, but you have to like give some respect to Kirk. I mean, I, I put a meme on my Instagram story today, like <laughs> when you have 21 touchdowns and two interceptions, but nobody gives up blank because you're Kirk Cousins and it was Kirk making like a ah, like a you know really upset face that's kind of funny to me but I wanted to correct the record Kirk Cousins is having a fantastic year on the stat sheet and uh that deserves some respect you know be that how you may he's not the best quarterback in the NFL but certainly he's having a fantastic year and I think deserves to keep his job and we'll see what they do with the head coach situation in in Minnesota but um it makes no financial sense. It makes no football sense. There's no argument you can make right now uh, to say that Kirk Cousins deserves to lose his job in Minnesota. And also, again, I said this last episode, embracing Kirk Cousins is really fun because, again, not the best quarterback in the NFL, but he's a very likable human being. Like, he just seems like a fun, nice dude, a fun dad, a, a nice guy, the kind of guy like you'd sit down at a bar with and have a, a glorious time talking to. So um, really... 
and Kirk Cousins is a very easy guy to embrace just as a human being. Now let's talk about Sunday night football. On Sunday night football, the Chargers beat the Steelers 41 to 37. And man, this was a crazy game. The fourth quarter was, if you are like me and you love football and you've got a lot of free time and you're just looking for something to watch, I recommend find a way to go watch the fourth quarter of the Steelers and Chargers game from Sunday night. LA led, first of all, they led in the fourth quarter 27 to 10. That's a 17 point lead. Then the Chargers led 34 to 20. So a 17 point lead, then a 14 point lead. Both of them in the fourth quarter. But then Pittsburgh blocked a punt that gave them the ball on the three yard line first and goal, led to a touchdown. Then they tipped a Justin Herbert pass at the line of scrimmage, picked that off as well. Pittsburgh came storming back. Then later, and again, like in the old, so during the Anthony Lynn, Phillip Rivers era, the Chargers were known for having so many heartbreaking one score losses where they came so close and then found a way to lose. Every single week, it felt like the Chargers just found a way to have another heartbreaking loss. And I'm like, is it going to really carry over from Anthony Lynn and Phillip Rivers to <laughs> the new coach and the new quarterback in LA? Like, are you, Justin Herbert, too, is going to suffer the same fate? And you're like, man, oh my gosh, it's going to really be. And, and, you know, the Steelers came back. They, well, sorry, the, the Chargers went for it on their own, like, 30-yard line. I think 34-yard line. Fourth and inches, they went for it. They got stopped with four minutes left. Steelers got the ball. They kicked a field goal, took a 34 to 37 lead. And you're like, oh my gosh, again, the Steelers, the Chargers, excuse me. It's just, it's a game straight out of the Anthony Lynn, Phillip Rivers era. Now, Justin Herbert being the star quarterback, he has found a way to win. Uh, he had a long touchdown pass to Mike Williams for a long touchdown. That took the lead. And then they sacked Big Ben on you know two plays I think was it in a row I think it was actually first down and third and long anyway it ended up being like fourth and forever for the Steelers they could not convert and the Chargers found a way to win but it was just again a weird weird wild game that deserves a shout out just uh if you have the time go find a way to watch the fourth quarter of the Steelers and Chargers game the Steelers scored 27 points in the fourth quarter Almost had a crazy comeback. They, they came up just short, um, and it was a really wild. Like I, I, I almost I watched this game after the fact. I wish I could have been watching live. I mean, I regret not. I, I watched as many games as I can live. I didn't watch this one live. I mean, I start about an hour late, so I can fast forward through commercials. But I, I try to go into as, as few games as possible, knowing the outcome. And I wish I hadn't known the outcome going in because it was a. Even knowing what happened, it was crazy. And, and I didn't even, I can't imagine for people, for people watching live, let alone, I bet Steelers fans were like, we're going to make it. We're going to get a win. We're going to have a comeback. And, and they came up just short. Uh, Justin Herbert, the Chargers quarterback, played really, really well, though. He was 30 for 41 passing, had 382 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Also, he ran the ball nine times for 90 yards. And that's the most I've seen Justin Herbert run the ball and it wasn't designed quarterback runs. It wasn't him running because there was a lot of pressure on him. He was just running. They're like, hey, if no one's going to pick me up, I'm going to run for yards. And he got big chunks of yardage over and over again running the football. I love that. And I want to see more of that from Justin Herbert running. Like, and he looks, he, there were a couple of times where he looked around, he stepped up in the pocket, 
And you would even consider, you could see the kind of the gears turning in his head where he would like turn his shoulders to throw the ball downfield and realize, why would I throw the ball 30 yards downfield, even if the guy's open, when there's just nothing but green grass in front of me and he took off and ran. And I, I want to see more of that from Justin Herbert. And I had a thought during this game, and I, I feel like it's hard for me not to talk about Justin Herbert and bring up the NFL draft because, at first of all, I was horribly wrong and I was all in on Tua. I was hesitant on Herbert. Looks like I'm going to be exactly wrong. Like, like Herbert's, you know, is one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL and Tua is getting, getting better, but certainly not the star quarterback that Justin Herbert is. And I had a thought during this game. Herbert was a 4.0 student at Oregon and was really, really dedicated in the classroom. And I remember when I was in college, um, you know, like I, I was watching the Tom Brady documentary and Tom Brady talks about meeting with Bill Belichick every Tuesday. And I, when I was in college football, I had a hard time even getting to quarterback meetings, let alone an extra meeting, meeting with my head coach, like breaking down a defense and going through all the defensive personnel. And I, w- I would have loved to have that kind of opportunity, but I was busy going to classes and doing school and college. And I played D3 football, which is a way lower level. But dude, school takes so much out of you as a college athlete. And then you're like, I got to go to practice. I got to go do this, do that. You have no, you have no life because you're so busy doing school and your sport. And I, I really think that being an NFL quarterback where you don't have to go to classes and Justin Herbert's time and his mental energy and his time isn't divided. Like he doesn't have classes to go to where he's trying to get good grades. He can really just dive all in on football. And I wonder if some of the stuff that Herbert had some problems in college where I felt like he wasn't getting better. Like, you know, for years he had the same problems. He was missing easy throws and there were little details missing. And he was always a great student in college. And it seems like the energy he used to put into his studies and and his classes is now being put fully into football. And I I have to ask, is that part of why Herbert is so much better at at the little details in the NFL and why he's making, you know, taking leaps and bounds and gotten so much better in the NFL is because he's just, his time is fully focused on football. And when you take a guy who is already incredibly physically gifted, who also likes to learn and work hard and get after it. He doesn't have a classroom. Now the classroom is the football field and watching film and studying defenses and getting better at all the little intricacies of being a quarterback. I mean, that has to be brought up is that he has way more time to focus on football than ever before. And gosh, I just, every time I watch Justin Herbert, I I, I feel guilty and sad because I was so wrong about him in college. But also I just... I marvel at how good he is. And I, I just, I have a little mini football. It's around here somewhere. I think it's actually in, in the other room behind me. I have a little tiny, like junior size football for the ages of like 12 years old. It's like, like a peewee football. It's really, really tiny. And dude, I can sling that. It's like the size of a Nerf football. The little, maybe the, the arrow. What's the one that like flies really far and makes it the, the humming sound or the whistle sound when you throw it? It's that size. It's like really, really tiny. Dude, I can spin that thing like it's nothing. Cause it's just, easy and tiny and it fits in my hand like it's a toy and then you watch Justin Herbert and you're like oh he holds the football like I hold the junior football his hand he's so much bigger as a human being that an NFL sized football is like a toy in his hands and he's got a beautiful throwing motion he throws it so effortlessly I just I marvel watching him because man Justin Herbert's amazing now I also want to give a shout out to Austin Eckler uh he had four touchdowns in this game against Pittsburgh he ran for two he caught two Austin Eckler is one of the better running backs in the NFL, and, and he's very much underappreciated. I just don't think he gets the respect 
he's deserved. And, and this whole Chargers football team is loaded. They got Justin Herbert at quarterback, Austin Eckler at running back, two stud receivers, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Jalen Guyton, by the way, is a solid number three. Uh, Joey Bosa, the rookie left tackle, Rashawn Slater is amazing. I mean, in my mind, the Chargers are massively underappreciated, especially in Southern California. And they don't get enough attention. I mean, I think the Rams dominate the headlines in Odell Beckham Jr. and Matthew Stafford. And very quietly, and the Chargers have had a couple losses, and they got a new coach, and they're building stuff. But I, I love their coach. I love their quarterback. I love what they're doing. Their roster is loaded. And I still look at the Chargers right now. They're, the Super Bowl is going to be in their home building. And there is no clear dominant team in the AFC. But... I, the Chargers are the team that as they get better and better every week. And they're, they're again, a first-year coach, a young quarterback. They're still growing and figuring out how things work all together. I, I just think the Chargers are a dark horse Super Bowl team that is not getting the respect they deserve. Uh, by the way, Big Ben, the Steelers quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, played well. Uh, he had three touchdowns, no interceptions. He's been playing really well for—it's been a little stretch now where Big Ben's putting together some good performances and— I also look at Pittsburgh. They're banged up. And I feel like we haven't seen the entire Steelers roster altogether healthy at one time this year. And I want to see what they're capable of at full strength. Because I think the Steelers team is better than the record would show. Got a couple heartbreaking losses. They lost Big Ben and had a tie. I mean, like, I, I really... The AFC is crazy right now. No one really knows what to expect. And the Steelers right now are third in the AFC North. But I... They're capable, man. Like, the Steelers are not awful. And they certainly... I'm not ready to count them out of the mix either yet. I, I really think with Big Ben playing the way he's playing, he's experienced. They got some talent. If they can get healthy, Pittsburgh at the end of the year can get healthy, they could go on a run. And I, I'm not ready to... Like, I feel like there's like 50 teams in the AFC right now that have a shot. But the Steelers are a team. If they get healthy, which that's a big if, but if they do... They're a very, very capable football team, and they, I feel like they could peak at the end of the year. Now, I want to give a shout-out to Pittsburgh receiver Deontay Johnson. Dude is a Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson. They got a couple of receivers there, and I also wonder, I don't think Philadelphia is going to move on from Jalen Hurts, the other quarterback in Pennsylvania. But if for some reason Philadelphia decided they're done, because also the draft class isn't great for quarterbacks, and it looks like Philly's going to have three first-round picks. Did my voice crack? You might have caught that. If you did, hey, I'm a human being. It's hard to talk this long. Um, weird thought, but I had a thought during this game. I'm like, the Steelers are not terrible. They've got Najee Harris. They've got some good weapons there in Pittsburgh. Like Deontay Johnson is awesome. Deontay Johnson, I was going to give him a shout out. Had seven catches for 101 yards and a touchdown against LA in LA. I, I think Deontay Johnson is awesome. And this Steelers football team, they might consider bringing back Big Ben because I don't know what else they're going to do at quarterback. Like Big Ben is playing good enough that I would not be shocked if they're like, hey, one more year. Big, ben. I thought this was the final year, but he's playing well enough now that I would actually bring him back based on the fact that I don't know what else the Steelers are going to do. But my, I love throwing out weird, random theories, and it's a big if. If Philly decides they don't want Jalen Hurts, which I don't know why they wouldn't. He's playing great, and... They have an opportunity with Jalen Hurts on a rookie contract to get three first-round picks and build a good roster around Philly, uh, around Jalen Hurts in Philly. But if for some reason Philly decides they don't want Jalen Hurts, he would be an amazing fit 
in Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Najee Harris, his style, his mentality, everything. I, I think Jalen Hurts is fantastic. And I, this is a crazy out of left field thought, but if it's at all possible to get him in Pittsburgh next year, that would be really fun. And he would be a big success, I believe, with this roster and this coaching staff. Okay. Uh, we had a question on Patreon. You can write down on Patreon as well. Go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. Devin writes in. He's a big Steelers fan. He has the Here We Go show on YouTube. I love you, Devin. Uh, Devin says, hey, Zach, first of all, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing okay. Got some personal stuff going on. Uh, it's been hard. I'm trying not to let that weigh me down, but thank you for asking. Um, he says, second, it's not really a question, but I thought it would be fun to share a valuable experience. So here we go. It's a long one. On Sunday, I had the privilege of getting to go watch the Steelers versus the Chargers on Sunday night, uh, the game at the new stadium in LA. My team lost, but the fans made the game more interesting. It was towards the end of the fourth quarter. The Steelers were shooting for a comeback to win the game. And I felt like the fans at the stadium really made a difference in the game. When the Steelers were on defense, the Steelers got loud. And you can tell it was impacting Justin Herbert's play. On the last drive, Chargers fans got loud and it was clearly affecting Ben's decision making. I thought it was valuable because it felt like a lot of people really undermine how impactful a home game can be compared to a road game. I used to be the same way. More of the story is if you're at a, if you're a, if you're a football fan at a stadium, get loud when your team's on defense and stay quiet when your team is on offense. I feel it can sometimes be a difference in a game. Hope we're doing well, Devin. Thank you, Devin. Hope we're doing well too. Um, I you know you mentioned that Chargers fans got loud. Did anyone see the stadium on Sunday Night Football? Like. That was a home game. It felt like the game was in Pittsburgh. It wasn't, but there were so many terrible towels and yellow everywhere. And it was, it was, it was Steelers yellow. It was not Chargers yellow and it wasn't the blue. I, I couldn't like, the problem is that many Steelers fans felt like a Steelers home game and the game was in LA. And you're like, Ooh, that's rough. So yeah, I hear you get loud, know the etiquette of football for sure. But I want to read another question because I think it, it kind of, they lead into another. So unknown, that's a great name on Patreon, by the way. Unknown wrote in and said, Hey Zach, love what you're building here. New Patreon supporter. Welcome. My question is if you had to choose one franchise to just get a new start and relocate, what team would you choose and where would you relocate the team? I would love to hear your opinion. Thanks and keep up the good work. Much love in the great white North. So it must be snowing in the Midwest. Uh, or Russia? Uh, what's what's the great the great? You know, is that Russia? Is that Minnesota? I don't really know. Is it Canada? Somewhere somewhere north where it's snowing, I would imagine. So unknown. Um, again, love your name. So it's not that Chargers fans don't exist, but it's only like in L.A. The only Chargers fans are the people that are diehard Chargers fans. The kind of guy who dyes his hair the team colors or has a a truck that's decked out with chargers colors and stickers and you know it's the kind of kid who's his notebook at school is a chargers notebook like it's people that are all in and that's it though it's like the the top five percent is like basically all that there is are chargers fans and i would imagine even chargers fans are really frustrated going like why why is not why are there not more people supporting this football team and if i can move one team and relocate them. 
I would take the Chargers and move them somewhere else because Southern California does not appreciate what they got going on there. Justin Herbert, great new coach, good running back, Austin Eckler, good receivers, Rashawn Slater. Like, they're awesome. It's really cool to see what's going on in L.A. And I'm not sure. I mean, I have thought about this. I kind of felt like I wasn't sure where I'd move them, but I I think I found a great spot. I I think because you want to move the Chargers to a place where they would be happy to have the team. I would probably go to San Antonio, Texas, where San Antonio, I didn't realize this till I looked it up. I'm like, oh, that's the seventh largest city in America. Not one, not two, but seven, which is really high. A lot of the biggest places in America, by the way, are in Texas. They love football, and there is not a major team to compete with. There isn't a major college. There isn't another NFL team. Like, that's a market that would, I think, accept a football team. A lot of people there. They would love to wear Justin Herbert jerseys, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm sure there are people that are going to stick with the Cowboys or stick with Houston if they want. But, man, I, I think San Antonio would appreciate the Chargers a lot more than L.A. and Southern California does. And there's no state income tax. Uh, it's easier to build. I think the San Antonio Chargers would be a really fun reality. I don't know if that's possible, but there's not a lot of teams I would move. I think, I don't know, like... L.A., the Chargers, I just feel like that's a city that doesn't appreciate their team. And it's a very weird feeling. Like, I don't—it's also—it's hard to understand. they got a great young quarterback. They've, like, they've got a lot going for them, the Chargers do, and yet the city doesn't appreciate them. Like, it's the Rams town. People surf and, and root for the Rams and go to baseball games and support the Lakers. But for some reason, the Chargers just aren't enough. And I, I know, I have no doubt— that roster, that coaching staff, the way they win, that quarterback, like, man, there's a lot of cities that would appreciate the Chargers a lot more than L.A. does. Okay, uh, Monday Night Football happened. Um, the Buccaneers beat the Giants 30-10. to 10. It was ugly. Like, I had hope. It was briefly 10-10, to 10, actually. I was like, oh, maybe it's going to be a good game. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Uh, the Giants, like when you look back, you realize the Giants only scored a touchdown at one point because they got lucky where Tom Brady was throwing a screen pass to the left. There was a miscommunication and the ball bounced off of Mike Evans' hands, got picked off, and uh, the Giants got the ball first and goal at the five-yard line. That's the only time the Giants got any progress and scored a touchdown in this game. By the way, the Giants also threw that touchdown pass to their left tackle, Andrew Thomas. So like they, they can't, it's, that's not a trick play, but... And nobody, the defense certainly is not expecting the left tackle to catch the ball for a touchdown. It's kind of funny, like kind of kind of cool, actually, to see a left tackle do that. But what's not funny and what's not cool is that Giants quarterback Daniel Jones had two interceptions. They were ugly. There was one where I, I really, the first one, I don't even know what he was doing. He threw it right at a defender. I thought he might have been trying to throw the ball away. I mean, there's a receiver nearby, kind of. It was a, it was a terrible performance by Daniel Jones, one of... Unfortunately, like he had a good start, and it's just been getting worse and worse. And the Giants' offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett, actually got fired after losing this game on Monday night. And I gotta say, like I, I wasn't outraged. I was, I was like, I was kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. 
But my honest thought when I saw that Jason Garrett got fired was that it felt like a desperate move by the Giants, Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman, the, the, the head coach and the general manager. It was, it was a desperate move to help those guys keep their jobs. Like, oh, it was all on Jason Garrett. He's the problem. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. No, no, no. Uh, the whole team is bad. It's, it's not just the offense. And I really think the guy who needs to get fired, if anybody's going to get fired, I don't like calling for people's jobs. It's Thanksgiving. Like, I don't want to be that guy. But maybe blame the guy who built the team and picked the players, Dave Gettleman, the general manager. Like, how, how – I mean, I don't know what the New York media is saying. But I feel like that guy's had a job a little longer than I expected he would. And I, I just I, – man, Jason Garrett's the guy. Like, I, I don't know. And maybe they're not going to wait. To, they're going to fire the head coach, at Joe Judge, at the end of the year. I don't know. But things are not going well. And I, I just – I saw that Jason Garrett got fired, and I went, oh, that's it, huh? Oh, all right. Well, I guess I, – my, my bad. I didn't realize Jason Garrett was the reason why – the Giants didn't sack Tom Brady one time on Monday night. Oh, oh, yeah, because he, he he affects the defense, too. Yeah. Oh, 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 no, the offensive coordinator, he doesn't? Oh, oh, the team is bad? Oh, you mean they they, they didn't build their offensive line? And, and that, who picks the players? Is that Jason Garrett? <laughs> no, it's not. It's the general manager. I, I just, I feel like um, I work, I'm just waiting for more moves to be made by the Giants' ownership to make more moves and probably fire more people. Tampa didn't even play very well in this game. Like, Tampa was sloppy, had a ton of small mistakes, and, and the Giants are just so bad that they couldn't compete. I mean, you lose 30-10. to 10, Your only touchdown comes when Tom Brady gives you a an interception. It's not good. Things are not good right all, at all in New York. And I am really curious what kind of changes are made by the Giants this offseason. I mean, do they keep the head coach, Joe Judge? Do they get a new head coach? Do they get a new general manager? Do they get just a new offensive coordinator for Daniel Jones? Another one, by the way. I think it's an, a, another new offense for Daniel Jones to learn. Do they get a new quarterback, too? Do they replace Daniel Jones as well? I don't know. But it feels like, and I would be, I don't know if shocked is the right word. I wouldn't be shocked because the Giants are a team that they move slowly like a glacier they just don't they don't do a lot quickly so I wouldn't be surprised if there weren't a lot of moves made by the Giants this offseason like if they keep the head coach or they keep the general manager I wouldn't be surprised I would just be disappointed I'd be like ah man like when are they going to Dave Gettleman like how does Dave Gettleman still have a job I just I don't know now for Tampa here's a story to keep your eyes on for Tampa Bay Keep your eye on tight end Rob Gronkowski. He's been injured. He's not been playing a ton. And I, I think it's no big deal. Like, my gut tells me it's fine. He's a veteran player who knows how to keep himself healthy and stay off the field and not take unnecessary hits. So maybe, maybe we're seeing Rob Gronkowski just ease off the gas a little bit. And that's fine because, hey, as long as you're ready for the playoffs, that's it's all good. Do whatever you need to do. As long as you're ready for the wild card round or the divisional round, whenever you have your first playoff game, totally fine. But the question is, will Rob Gronkowski be ready when the playoffs come? I don't know. I, I think so. 
but he's not playing a lot. And I, I just keep your eye on that. Keep your eye on Rob Gronkowski and where things go for the Buccaneers. Okay, uh, here is the top four right now in the college football playoff rankings. You got number one, Georgia. Totally makes sense. Number two, Ohio State. They leapfrogged Alabama. I, I totally get that. Alabama had a hard time with Arkansas. Arkansas hung around. Ohio State dominated Michigan State. They both have one loss. So you got Ohio State, number two, Alabama, number three. And the number four team in the nation right now is... Cincinnati, the Bearcats. And the question is, does Cincinnati deserve to be there? And I know I've gone back and forth on this. I I want them in because it'll be fun. But are they really the fourth best team in the country? And at this point, given what has happened, yes, absolutely. Cincinnati deserves to be in the top four and make it into the college football playoff right now. Oregon has lost two times. They got destroyed by Utah. Oklahoma has a loss. They've been underwhelming at multiple points this year. I, I, I actually totally agree with Cincinnati being in the top four. It makes total sense to me. Uh, Alabama's going to play Georgia in the SEC title game. And so I think it's actually going to be hard to find a number four team when the playoff rankings are, are, are made final because it's likely going to be Georgia number one, Ohio State number two, Cincinnati, number three. And then we could get a, I guess maybe if Alabama loses to Georgia, could we get a two-loss Alabama team? Two-loss Michigan, two-loss Oregon? Like, I I don't actually know who the fourth best team will be. Who will be number four? I mean, and also, like, you would think the, the playoff committee will go, well, Alabama already played Georgia, so we don't want that. Like we're not gonna have we're not gonna have Georgia play Alabama like in back to back games. That sounds like insanity. And so I I actually truly think that it's gonna be hard to find a fourth team this year in the college football playoff. So Cincinnati, it's perfect. They deserve to be there. They've had an undefeated season. I, I think they've had I I have a hard time believing they are the fourth best team in the country. I, I just I, I'd like to believe that. I don't know that they are. I mean, they had a hard time beating Tulane. That seems pretty weird. Um, but I, I do like the thought of two, two colleges from Ohio playing each other in the college football playoff. That sounds awesome. I love that thought. Because, you know, Cincinnati playing Ohio State in the college football playoff, that's amazing. And... Ohio is a really, really great football state. People don't understand or realize they get, you know, they're a bit underrated. They get overshadowed by Texas, California, and Florida. But Ohio is a, it's, I think it's the birthplace of football, actually. There's a, it's cultural there. Like, they love football. There's great quarterbacks from Ohio. A lot of great football played there at the high school level, at the college level, at the NFL level. They got two NFL teams in Ohio. I mean, man. And then is Ohio State a professional team? Basically, yeah. I mean, I, I just think that I, I really think the world of Ohio. I like Ohio as a state. I, I love Cincinnati, the city. And it makes sense. It feels honoring of the way that Ohio treats football, like the cultural way that they, 
the reverence they give to football. They're a football state. And nationally, I know we look at California, Texas, and Florida as the football states in America. Add Ohio to the list. And they've been that way for a while. Look at the recruits that come out of there. Look at the quarterbacks. Look at the way they play uh, at a national level at Ohio State in the NFL. I mean, Ohio is a great football state. And it's pretty cool to think that we might get Cincinnati against Ohio State in the college football playoff. Okay, uh, this weekend in college football is a really big weekend. There are seven games I'm excited to watch. Uh, number one is Ole Miss versus Mississippi State. It's going to be awesome. Lane Kiffin against Mike Leach. They call it the Egg Bowl. I don't know why. I don't really care why. It's in Starkville. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be an offensive explosion, I am hoping. And this is the number one game to me that I'm excited to watch. The second game I'm most excited to watch will be it's so tough. I probably, uh, you know, Ohio State plays at Michigan. They're both 10 and 1. Jim Harbaugh could use a win right now. It, him beating Ohio State would be a massive deal for Jim Harbaugh. I don't think he can, but that's another game to keep your eye on. Uh, the Iron Bowl is going to be amazing. Alabama at Auburn. It's always crazy. It's always fun. Bedlam. You got Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Both teams are 10 and 1 going to be a lot of offense. It's going to be really fun. There's just so many good games throughout college football this week. Uh, Florida, Florida State, I'll keep my eye on that game. I don't I don't really care. Florida lost their head coach. Dan Mullen got fired. I don't know what to expect from that game. I, actually, if anything, it'd be, be kind of funny if Florida State dominated Florida. Uh, I'll actually add one here. I wasn't going to talk about this, but Oregon plays Oregon State. Uh, and and I, I just ask you, imagine if Oregon lost to the Oregon State Beavers. How it'd be kind of funny. Um another game, Minnesota at uh Minnesota versus Wisconsin is going to be fantastic. That's a a rivalry. My state's better than your state. It's a really I love I, I used to live in Minnesota as a kid and that's you know the way they talk about each other. Oh you're not from Wisconsin, are you? Like they I I can't do a, a Midwestern accent, but Minnesota, Wisconsin, that's going to be really, really fun. And hopefully a competitive football game. And then here's the rivalry I know best. Uh, I went to Washington State. So Washington State at University of Washington, the Apple Cup, UW, WSU. It's a rivalry that I've always felt a little bit uncomfortable with, actually. It's interesting because you have a inner city, like in you know, a, a school that's downtown, University of Washington. The city, what tends to be a liberal fan base against a rural school, Washington State, which tends to be a more right-wing fan base. And I've I've always felt uncomfortable the way, like, I've been to these games and I've seen the things they say to each other. So it's it's personal for me because I've, I've been there and I, I've got friends on both sides. And the divide makes me uncomfortable the way they're like, our school's better than yours. We're in the city and we we vote this way. And I'm like, it's very political. It's very, like, it's it's really rough, and I know that nationally nobody cares about the Apple Cup, but I've, I've always looked at the Apple Cup and been a little bit like, man, it really, like, the things they say to each other, like, and, like, I, I don't, like, man, I, I don't know. I, there's not, like, Oregon and Oregon State are both in small towns. It's not quite the same level of vitriol when you're talking about, we're King County, we're Seattle, we look down on you dirty dogs that have, I just, it's, it's, I, I probably shouldn't talk about it at all on the show, but. Keep your eye on Washington State versus Washington if you want uh, something interesting. I don't know that. And maybe it's just me. Probably it is. It probably is just me who's going to keep my eye on that game. 
But Ohio State Michigan is going to be amazing. The Egg Bowl, I don't know why they call it the Egg Bowl. I don't, but the two Mississippi schools is going to be fun. Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State is going to be amazing. The Iron Bowl, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff going on in college football this weekend. And I just, I, I hope you enjoy it because, man, we don't get a lot of weekends like this where there's just great matchup after great matchup after great matchup with great storyline after great storyline in college football. And it's the biggest weekend in college football, if you ask me. All right, it is time for Ask Zach. In case you do not know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. But a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. If you submit a question, I do not guarantee to read it on the podcast. My only guarantee is I look at every single question with my eyeballs. eyeballs. I pick the top couple. I read them on the show. And uh, the first write-in today is from Kyle. Let me drink some water real quick. I need some water. Kyle writes in and says, Hey, Zach, new Patreon supporter here. And then that's it. There, there is no question. There is no comment. I have to wonder if there was not more that was supposed to be included. Maybe you're new to the Patreon app. I think if you hit return, it just submits what you wrote. And maybe you were embarrassed. I don't know what happened. But Kyle... Since you did write in with a question or a comment or a concern or a thought or an idea or anything, uh, just a little statement, new Patreon supporter. Welcome, Kyle. Thank you so very much. Uh, I I can't say thank you enough. Like you, People don't realize how much Patreon makes a big impact on my life, and I've got some stuff I'm considering just saying to hell I'm tired of dealing with sponsors because I actually... I'm not going to say any more about I, I don't love working with sponsors and I want to make certain content that needs uh, financial backing. And my thought is I might just make a big Patreon push. And so if you like film analysis, let me tell you, Patreon makes it easier to do that because I don't feel the stress of needing to make content that makes money because I can't make money making film analysis. So uh, stay tuned. I might, I might have, I've got an idea for like how I'm going to pitch it to you guys and say, you know, let's get to this number on Patreon, and if we do, we're going to follow through and get a lot more film analysis done. But um, I just, hey, your support on Patreon makes a massive difference in my life. Thank you so very much. Carter writes in. He says, so you already responded to a question of this nature last week, but I feel there's a conversation to be had. You said the Lions should take Malik Willis and have him sit behind Jared Goff for a year, and I assume you were implying he would then take over the following year. Now, the Lions owe Jared Goff the sun over the next four years and the moon if they buy him out before 2023. Why not take Thibodeau and have a generational left tackle in Panay Sewell and an upper echelon edge rusher and then worry about quarterback with the Rams pick or next year when we have a shot at Bryce Young or one of the other guys who are already putting together good resumes like Grayson McCall or Phil Yurkovich? It's not like Jared Goff is going anywhere. And then he comments afterwards, he says, follow up. Although if you think Malik Willis has elite running ability and the arm of a god, like some of these draft profiles claim, it might be worth the risk. Uh, So financially, yeah, the Lions are stuck with Jared Goff. I don't hate the idea of waiting on getting a quarterback and building your team. The draft class isn't great. I, I do like Malik Willis is my personal favorite quarterback in this draft class. Uh, I think if you can get Malik Willis, let him sit and develop him behind Jared Goff. Like I'm, I'm almost borderline like 
you might just pay Jared Goff not to play because if you're losing football games because Jared Goff is playing badly, you bench the guy. I don't, I don't care how much money you're paying him. If he's losing you football games, you got to move on. I, I think at minimum, the Lions have to draft a quarterback in the second round, if nothing else. But I, I also, I, I hear you. It's not a terrible idea to use the draft picks you have stockpiled and just build your team. I mean, Jared Goff got to a Super Bowl at one point. Jared Goff led the Rams to a Super Bowl. They did lose, but my point is it's it's clear Jared Goff, with a ton of help, can win in the NFL. And maybe if you're the Lions, you say, we're stuck with this guy. We're paying him too much money to get rid of him, and we're just going to build a team around him. And I mean, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. <laughs> You know, like, it's not... Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. Like, you can get to and even win a Super Bowl with a bad or average quarterback. And so, I don't think it's a terrible idea to stick with Jared Goff and build your team around him. Uh, like, I if the Lions have a great team and make the playoffs, I'm happy. Because they just have them have... To be able to say the Lions have a great team at some point in my lifetime would be fantastic. And so I hear you, Carter. And I also, I think it's worth considering the thought of maybe we just stick with Jared Goff. We, meaning you, because I'm not a Lions fan. Thank God. Uh, Maybe you stick with Jared Goff and just build a great team around him. Not a horrible thought. Not option number one in my heart and in my mind, but not a terrible idea. Okay, Mitch writes in, he says, hi, Zach, still loving the show. As a lifelong Broncos fan, yeah, oof. He says that, too, in parentheses, like, yeah, oof. I feel like we have had an almost never-ending revolving door at quarterback. Now we are thinking of going after Rodgers or Aaron Rodgers or Matt Ryan. Am I crazy for not wanting that? I feel like going after a five-year quarterback will just put us right back in the post-Payton John Elway days. I know with the talent we have, you kind of want to just win. But we have seen these guys suddenly develop with a stronger squad around them. Am I crazy for wanting us to be looking younger? Would love to hear your thoughts. What does he mean there? But we have seen guys suddenly develop with a stronger squad around them. You mean like you've seen guys like Drew Locke get better with lots of talent? I mean, I hear you, although I thought Drew Locke has been set up to succeed before and failed. Um, Here's my question, Mitch, and I wonder this. Do you regret the Peyton Manning era? Do you regret Peyton Manning dominating the NFL and going to two Super Bowls, winning one of them? Yeah, like Denver right now is in quarterback hell. But you won a Super Bowl. Like, hey, Cleveland hasn't won a Super Bowl. I don't think ever. When's the last time the Lions won a Super Bowl? Respectfully, Mitch. You're a Broncos fan. You won a Super Bowl recently. I I don't think you should regret that. Even if the cost of winning a Super Bowl was, now we suck and don't have a quarterback. If you can get Aaron Rodgers or Matt Ryan and win another Super Bowl, isn't that worth years of misery for the highlight of, we won once? I, I actually, because... It's so special and rare to win a Super Bowl. And you're a lifelong fan, so maybe maybe you've been spoiled. I don't know. But like, like Philly, they 
they spent the sun and the moon to get themselves a Super Bowl. And Philly's team now, they overpaid a lot of people. They, they went all in. They're paying for it now. But Philly won a Super Bowl. They're happy. I, if you win a Super Bowl, I think it's worth five years of being bad without a quarterback. Like, And I, again, I think with the right coach and Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers, you could have another Super Bowl in Denver. So yeah, to have a, a potential five-year run with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback in Denver, how could you not want that? I almost wonder, Mitch, do you, do you not realize how incredible Aaron Rodgers is? Like, I, I've been watching Aaron Rodgers' film for like two weeks. And, dude, Aaron Rodgers, he is got a lot of stuff going on off the field that I don't even fully understand. I don't even, I, I literally don't even read about it. I don't care. I'm a football guy. But when it comes to football, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL. He just is. I, I You may not like that. Tom Brady's more successful. Patrick Mahomes. Well, actually, I think Aaron's more talented than Patrick Mahomes. So Aaron Rodgers is amazing. Like, he just is. And if you can have the best quarterback on your football team in the entire league for five years, you should be happy with that. That sounds amazing. And so I don't mean to scold you, but uh, I also don't, I just don't really understand your perspective here. Because I, I think if you can have five years with Aaron Rodgers, you take that without even hesitating. Okay, uh, Ultimate A has our final question of the day. Oh, that rhymes. Well done, Zach. Saying, I'm patting myself on the back, yes. Um, it's a long one. Ultimate A, I need to drink some water to prepare for this because this is a really long write-in, but it is a good one. And I value the perspective here. Ultimate A writes in and says, Hi, Zach. Your comments about Debo Samuel in your Monday Night Football breakdown are very interesting. Debo Samuel is an invaluable asset to the 49ers, and he is undoubtedly one of their best players. That being said, I disagree with your statement that the, that the NFL is transitioning more to versatile skill position, quote, athletes more than well-defined players. Past, quote, athletes that come to mind are the likes of Tavon Austin and Cordero Patterson, who are well-known for their versatility in what they do in play design, while they do have fun glimmers. Ultimately, this is not something sustainable for the NFL going forward. You've mentioned in the past that the trend in the modern NFL offense is devaluing of the running back position, and I agree with you on this. However, this devaluing, I would argue, doesn't mean we will see more, quote, athletes in the league, because if it were me, I would rather have a player who is good at one thing than a player who is only okay at multiple things. Having a good receiver and a good running back is better than having two do-it-all athletes. In recent years in the draft, there have been a couple of highly touted defensive players who are, quote, hybrid players at the safety linebacker position. But when they reach the NFL, they're often asked to transition fully to being one or the other. Highly regarded draft picks like Isaiah Simmons have found themselves in the NFL in one position rather than being asked to do multiple things. Jamal Adams for the Seahawks is often criticized online for being a, quote, safety who only blitzes or a glorified undersized defense event. Clearly, I am not alone when it comes to asking players to stick to one position rather than juggle multiple. I remember a few years back when the Packers did not have any running backs on their roster and they asked one of their wideouts, Ty Montgomery, 
to make a transition to being a fill-in running back. He had some success as a running back, and the year since he's been asked to both run the ball and catch it, but he has not been the highly versatile athlete that people thought he would become. He is just an okay running back and wide receiver instead of a good player at either position. The NFL may not, the NFL may like athletic players, but they do not want athletes. Thank you for your content as always, Ultimate A. There's a lot to unpack there. It's very long, but I think I think a lot of stuff I can break down here. Uh, first of all, I'm not talking about Cordell Patterson or Tavon Austin. I'm talking about guys who are. I'm not talking about guys who are only okay at running the football or catching the ball. I'm talking about guys who are. So the NFL is taking concepts and ideas from college football, and college football got those ideas from. High school football. And so if you want to learn, and I talked to Dan Casey about this on my podcast. Uh, go back, go listen to the Dan Casey episode. There's a couple of them a while back. High school football influences college because that's where they can experiment, try all kinds of crazy stuff. And then college takes from, sorry, so college takes from high school and the NFL takes from college. Things trickle up in the football world from high school to college to the NFL. And we're seeing more and more in the high school world, people saying, I don't, I don't really care what position this guy plays. We just need to get him the ball. And then when I watch Kansas City on Sunday, they, they do the same thing with Tyree Kill. They say, well, Tyree Kill is electric. He's faster than everybody else. I mean, go watch a, a Chiefs game. I, I, watching on... Sunday against the Cowboys. I, I literally have in my notes. I'm like, I can't believe how quick Tyreek Hill is. He just gets to full speed incredibly fast. And Kansas City doesn't care how the ball gets in his hands. They just want the ball in Tyreek Hill's hands. Oh, they also do this with Travis Kelsey. They have their tight end, Travis Kelsey. They hand off the ball to their tight end. They run screen passes to their tight end. Not a lot of tight ends are getting screen passes in the NFL. Or look at Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is a, quote, tight end. Is he really a tight end? He's a receiver. He lines up out wide. He, he, they, run, they run fades, like down the sideline with Kyle Pitts, the tight end. Like, they just use Kyle Pitts like a receiver because that's what his skill set is. I disagree with you completely. Um, I, I think we're going to see more and more teams finding creative ways to get the ball in the hands of their skilled athletes. Think of Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is a great receiver and he runs the ball well too, but I, I would line up Christian McCaffrey wide and say, let's use him as a receiver the way, how do you, how do you extend Christian McCaffrey's career and keep him healthy? You put him in the slot at receiver and use him like Julian Edelman and Wes Welker and say, we're just going to run screen passes and stuff underneath and, you run a China route, which is like a whip route, some people call that, where you run the you run in, you reverse pivot, you run back out to the sideline. Dude, that was the Wes Welker route. That was a Julian Edelman route. That ball to Christian McCaffrey, he gets a ball one-on-one -on -one with a defender, where he's amazing, by the way. The ball in his hands, five yards downfield, with a chance to make someone miss and run vertically. I, I do that all day. You want the ball in the hands of your best athlete. I don't care how. Don't care how. And so I'm not talking about guys. You say that we say here, you know, guys who are 
only okay at what they do. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about guys who are Tyreek Hill. And we're going to see more and more guys like Tyreek Hill who are just different and special and can do whatever they want. And so when you have a guy like that who's truly special and truly doesn't matter where you line up as long as you get in the ball, we're going to see more and more athletes like that. And the NFL is going to embrace that more and more and say, I, I don't care how you define your position. You're the fastest, best athlete on the field. We're going to get the ball in your hands. And that's just, that's just true. I don't like, it's not even my opinion, really. That's just what's going to happen. And come find me in five years, my ultimate day. I, I got nothing against you, man. I just, I, I think that, I think I'm right. I mean, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want to tell you. I'm not talking about Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams is a bad safety who like can't cover anybody. I don't, I don't know what, how you define Jamal Adams. He just does whatever he wants. He gets out for the quarterback. I don't, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Tyreek Hill. I'm talking about guys who are incredible athletes and we're seeing better effort. I feel like every year we see better and better athletes get to the NFL. Like the, the extremes are even more extreme. Guys are faster, stronger, better than ever. And when you have guys like Tyreek Hill, who that's what I'm talking about. You don't really care if it's a screen pass, if he's in the backfield, if it's a throw 40 yards downfield. As long as that guy's getting the ball, you're happy. And coaches are starting to figure out, yeah, it doesn't really matter how Tyreek Hill gets the ball. It matters that he has the ball. So ultimate, I love you, man. You write in a lot. I appreciate you. You're the best. I mean, nothing against you. I just disagree with you. But I wanted to read it because I, I really like devil's advocate. I like being challenged. Thank you for challenging me. Um, I do disagree with you, but I think it's an interesting conversation to have. And that's why I wanted to end the show that way. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. I, I am so grateful to do this as my job. Uh, it's Thanksgiving day. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hope you hang out with your family if that's what you want to do. If you're a person like me who's an introvert who wants to play video games and hang out and just be by myself, I hope you have that kind of day too. I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great night, a great day. But I'm bum. Bam. We are done.